Welcome to the Legion Outriders podcast, a member of the Radio Free Tattooing Network. You must unlearn what you have learned. Your source for the latest Legion news, opinion, and analysis. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. John Archiquette. Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? Matt Turner. I'm not afraid. And Joshua Gray. You will be. What's going on, Outriders? John, Josh, and Matt coming to you from the wonderful Power 9 games in Las Vegas, Nevada. What's going on, guys? I'm so excited! Barricades! (laughs) Barricades! I'm not excited for barricades. Oh, I'm excited for barricades. How can you not be excited for barricades? Uh, Barricades all the time. Okay. Barricades or die. That's it. Okay, I'm less excited now. Okay. Thank you. Good. That's what I do. I just kill everything. Yeah, yeah. You bring it down. Well, yeah. the, the real reason for the excitement, of course, is we have not just barricades, but the designers of the, those barricades, uh, Alex Davey and Luke Eddy from FFG. Uh, they're going to be joining us in a little bit, and we're super stoked to talk to them. And we know you're excited, but we're going to make you wait. It's like Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas Eve right now, all right? You're not allowed to go downstairs and peek underneath the wrapping paper. You know, we got a couple of things we want to talk about first, and we know why you're here, but we're going to get to it. Just be patient. <laughs> Uh, so, Star Wars news right off the bat. We got some pretty big news that dropped today. I'm super excited for this. And uh, as you can tell, we talked about maybe me going out to Comic-Con a couple of weeks ago. So that didn't happen because I'm here right now. Oh, I thought but, this is an astral projection. <laughs> yeah, it, then I die at the We've end. Done that it, once so. for, we've done that once before. Yeah. But uh, So the big news coming out today, uh, I'm sure people have probably seen it by now because it's all over Facebook and the Internet. But uh, Clone Wars. Uh, they're going to be continuing the series, so very exciting. They had a little short that went up uh, and is now up on YouTube, but uh, very cool. Uh, shows some of the characters coming up. It starts out with Rex, you know, doing kind of this monologue and a bunch of voices coming in. But I definitely, definitely give it a watch. Uh, they're keeping a lot of the similar character designs, but you can see they've updated them a bit. So, how long ago was it that they took a hiatus? Ten years. Wow. That, that was yeah, the whole thing. It was yeah. uh, the 10-year anniversary paddle, uh, a panel at Comic-Con of post-Clone Wars. So I, I think they probably engineered it so this was going to be happening. Uh, I, I think Filoni's going to be involved with this again. He's a busy but, man. Yeah, <laughs> as you say, he's doing the, the, the new Rebel series as well. or The, the Resistance. Uh, Resistance, yeah. thank you. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see, but I'm excited because there was so much left unresolved. In I mean, the uh, Clone Wars and, and I was really surprised to see this. I don't, I don't think anybody really expected it. But I know a lot of folks were talking that they were a little down on Comic-Con as a whole this year mm-hmm. because there was no Star Wars Hall H presence. Right. You know, Hall H is like the I, I've Hall. I've heard Disney's like, kind of like it. pulling away from right. that. Right. So. But, like, there was no Star Wars at Hall H for the first time in, uh, God, uh, years. So, well, yeah, it was At least kinda, since kinda they surprising. started announcing well, the yeah. movies. But, yeah. yeah. So... We're expecting how many seasons? They just, oh, just announced I know. I think one. they said like it's twelve happening. episodes. That's literally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, did so. they? Okay, yeah, I, I think they. I think that, what I, so. I I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it because I know I'm a bad Star Wars fan and I never really got into Star into Clone Wars. Um, but Go I think I saw 10, 10 or twelve episodes is what they're gonna cool. they're gonna push. I'm so, sure we'll get some more information coming out soon. And I've I've seen them referred to as the lost episodes. So like I don't know if they had some episodes slated and then they just never aired them. Uh, I know that they the, had storyboards the, and things right, like that yeah. that never got uh, put into production, but so that very well. So could that's be. yeah. It sounds like they're the the lost episodes, quote unquote. 
Well, that's awesome, and that's you know that's going to continue on then from the original series. Will that tie in at all to the new animated series that we're seeing coming out? I don't know. No, because the new one is Resistance. It's First Order, and and it, it's um, going to be a okay. long so time. There's a, totally there could be timeline. some setup. I mean, there was definitely some setup between Clone Wars and Rebels, obviously. Right. And uh, I mean, they could project some stuff for the future. Okay. Well, that's I mean that's some pretty some pretty big news, but. Yeah. Uh, I would say not as big of news as we're about to have in just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever could you mean? Uh, Are so, we going to talk about supplies? Um, it's a big surprise. No, no supplies. Oh, oh. jeez, <laughs> horrible. You All right, people. guys, we're going to take a quick break. Coming back, we will have Luke, Eddie, and Alex Davy from FFG. Tune in every Wednesday to Radio Free Tatooine, a Star Wars podcast that's better than some and worse than others. Take a trip to a water cooler far, far away as we bring some casual, fun conversation into the Star Wars podcasting community. Hosted by me, Sean, my sister Amy, and John. Radio Free Tatooine. We may not know what we're talking about, but we sure know how to record it. For more, visit RadioFreeTatooine.com, a proud member of the Radio Free Tatooine podcast network. What's going on, Outriders? We're back with John, Josh, and Matt, and we have two very special guests with us today. As promised, we have Luke Eddy and Alex Davey, who are two of the celebrities within the uh, the Star Wars Legion world, if you will. I, so I think hot I, right now. I think I called <laughs> Alex Legion God on our Facebook post when I uh, you, you was did promoting it. Words, so yeah. Yeah, I think Legion God is about the right case. way. Yeah. Well, so without getting too you know Wayne's World, we're not worthy. Um, <laughs> We'll go ahead and uh, introduce these two. How you doing, gentlemen? Uh, doing great. Not too shabby. Low-powered deity, Alex Davey here. <laughs> <laughs> demigod status, you know. <laughs> yes, de- deity in training, I guess I would say. Luke Eddie here go. as well. Or so also now, now a Sith apprentice who will one day overthrow yeah, me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to back there, Alex. <laughs> they telegraph that a little bit, yeah. So I got a quick question for you guys. Alex Davey has four letters in, in first and last name. Okay. Luke Eddy has four letters in first and last name. I'm Josh Gray. I got four letters first and last name. Can I come work for FFG too? Is that like a well, is that like you, a, a, a requirement? Have, you need a first name as your middle name as well. Oh, and actually, it's it is James, James. Sure, isn't it? Uh, Luke, my my middle name is James, so you know that that works, oh. right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yes. all right. The same number of letters as Stone, mate. Wait, no. Yeah, right. Matt and I are both out. <laughs> yeah, well, we're done. So we're uh, we're here with you guys, and um, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, what exactly is your position within the Star Wars Legion universe, besides being Sith lords? <laughs> uh, I'm. I designed the game, so I guess technically that makes me the game designer. Ipso facto. Um, <laughs> Your name is on the box. <laughs> on the outside of it. I'm looking at it right now. Yes. But I, I also do uh, development, which is just, you know, the continued expansion uh, ever ever onwards uh, of Legion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then I'm uh, doing development for Legion. So for uh, kind of the last uh, couple sets now that you're seeing announced, I've sort of taken the reins of developing stuff, and then Alex and I have worked together on it. No, that's awesome. How, how long before the actual game was released did you guys start working for FFG? Um, so I've been with FFG since um, almost six years now. It'll be six years come Gen Con. 
Um, and I think I started conceptualizing Legion. I'm so bad at dates, but it was like, um, not this past February, but the previous February. So a thousand lifetimes. So a thousand, a <laughs> hundred thousand years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then it was about a year-long development process. Luke came in on the very end of that mm -hmm. um, and just ruined yeah. everything. <laughs> he, he helped a lot. We, we had a lot. We had a big, you know, sort of marathon um, slash sprint slash uh, crazy conclusion to getting that game, you know, finished on time. And, and Luke came in about, what, it was like a month and a half left to go? Uh, I think it was a little more. I think it was like two months. Two full months. Yeah. Yeah. So he got to see the very tail end of the design, and then from then on, he's been on it full time. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, so yeah, I've actually technically been with FFG for five years. Yeah. But uh, that time has not all been at the studio. I uh, Fantasy Flight has like a flagship game store here, and so I was working there for some time, doing tons of playtesting with developers at Fantasy Flight, which is awesome. Running Netrunner nice. tournaments that I never won. Yeah, that you never won. <laughs> <laughs> you win one store championship, though? No, no that was X-Wing. You I, won an X-Wing store I've, championship. I've got a lot of X-Wing wins under my belt, actually, but the best I've ever done at Netrunner was like fourth place at a regional. Oh. Back when we were still allowed to play in regionals. Too bad. I mean, I, know. I mean, second in the store <laughs> championship. So. Dude, Minnesota Netrunner meta is it's where it's no at. joke. But uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so back, back on track. Uh, yeah, so actually I've been with uh, in the working at the studio here uh, for Fantasy Flight for um, uh, a little over a year now, about coming on a year and a half. And uh, yeah, like Alex was saying, I got in on the tail end of the like actual design of Legion, and then that moved right into development for the future waves. Nice. So when you guys first got the uh, the word that you guys were developing a you know a full tabletop war game for Star Wars, uh, what were your initial thoughts? Um, I mean, I was just kind of floored that they were handing that responsibility to me. You know, excited <laughs> but also slightly terrified. Um, I've been doing minis gaming for a really long time, um, and I'm really captivated by the hobby element of it, particularly. Um, so it was really exciting to be able to, to help conceptualize and, and create a game that was pitched squarely at that hobby market. Um, you know, and, and one of the most exciting things to, to me was I knew that as soon as it came out, people would start doing amazing terrain, amazing conversions and paint jobs. and that aspect of things has completely blown me away. Like the uh, the Jetta City recreation I've seen, some of the like downed ATAT tables, uh, some of the paint jobs and conversions. Like it's amazing what people have been doing, and I think it just goes to show that this was um, a game that you know was very much anticipated and desired in the hobby community. Like this is the first time in a very long time that we've had a full on, you know, Star Wars ground battle, you know, troop and character based minis game. And I think um, we're just sort of lucky enough to be able to, to ride that wave of enthusiasm. So I was super excited and I was uh, 
very keen not to screw that up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> so from a from a gameplay pers- perspective, you said you've played a lot of miniature games. You've been involved with it for a long time. Uh, what were those initial meetings like where you're like, okay, we're going to do a miniatures game. It, you, there, there's certain elements that all of the FFG tabletop games have, you know, upgrade cards, um, unique dice, things like that. How did you, how did you meld those with trying to not be the same as other games. You know, there, there's Flames of War and Bolt Action and Warhammer and, and War Machines and Rune Wars and all of those games. Where where was the, I, I guess, where was your head in the design space trying to meld uh, all of that together while not being derivative of other games? Uh, I think, I'm you know, for one thing, I was lucky enough to work on Star Wars and one of the great things about working on the Star Wars IP is that it is extremely flavorful and characterful. And it is um, the kind of story that really focuses on heroics, daring do, kind of that pulp action. Um, and, and certainly that has been done in other games where you have a, a central general or commander or, or mage or, or what have you. Um, but I certainly saw that as an opportunity to, to like sort of build the whole system around um, that kind of character, because that's very much what Star Wars is. You know, there, there are big battles, there are armies that clash, but at the end of the day, you always see those that action through the lens of specific characters in their point of view, whether that's on the, you know, the side of the Rebel Alliance or on the side of the Galactic Empire, you sort of see Vader going about that um, just like you see, you know, the battles from Luke's perspective as well. So once I ha- kind of had that in mind as something to build the game around, it was just sort of a, a matter of trying to decide what game mechanics would follow. Um, that's kind of where the command system came from. Um, and then the other thing that I always say about Legion is that I took a very kind of Quentin Tarantino <laughs> mashup approach to design. Like, I've played a lot of games. There are things in a lot of different games that I really like, and I just took them. You know, like I, uh, if if I saw a good idea, I would tweak it. I would try to add it to the mix. Um, try to sort of cobble together this this Frankenstein of a game, and then you know start editing out the things that did or did not work. Um, that's just sort of my design style, I guess. But. Um, I just operated from that central concept of um, heroic-driven action, and it kind of flowed naturally from there. And I had never played a miniatures game before I found X-Wing. How important was it for you guys to try and make the game accessible to folks like me who hadn't necessarily had a long history of games or even hobby games like Warhammer, um, while still making it kind of familiar for past FFG games? I mean, that was pretty crucial. Uh, We definitely know that Legion is a little bit closer to the deep end of the swimming pool in terms of commitment and, um, you know, the the things that it's a longer game. Uh, There is that hobby aspect. Um, You have to provide your own terrain or find someone who has terrain. Um, So because those elements were going to exist just by the nature of making a hobby game like we're making... Uh, we wanted to make the rest of it as seamless as possible um, because we sort of felt like if you have these barriers to entry, um, the best thing you can do is to make, uh, you know, reduce any other barriers to entry that might exist. 
So, you know, custom dice, um, not that, you know, D6s or, 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 you know, numbered dice are necessarily all that challenging, but it is another kind of layer in between you and the action. And it, it is also something at Fantasy Flight we've always just, you know, felt like custom dice allow us to do some really interesting things. Um, the movement tool, so you don't have to worry about a tape measure. Um, the simplicity of the rule set, the sort of um, one, two, three level of cover. Um, the fact that you can sort of move the unit leader and then just place the squad in cohesion around the leader. I was trying at every stage to kind of deal with some of the things that I personally found cumbersome in other miniatures games. Like I've never loved measuring each individual model. Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot of added time without a lot of added gain. And one of the sure. things that I found when I was working on this system is the more stuff that I took out, the happier I was with the design. Like there's only four ranges. There used to be more. Um, a lot of the things, uh, there used to be a defensive surge um, on the defense dice. Um, or uh, not defensive surge, but uh, a special like a, defensive anti-pierce block. Thing. Yeah, it was like there's like a critical oh, wow. block, and it was just like not you know necessary. And so, yeah, like, and I think Luke, Luke, you can maybe speak to this a little bit because you came in at the end of the design process. Like, what did you kind of observe about how things? change in those last couple of months oh well i mean i feel like yeah you're 100 like on point here that like so much of it is simplified in order to like create this sort of low barrier of entry it's sort of like this like if you're going to pick up a minis game like this is probably one of the easiest minis like full-fledged like actual hobbies mini game i mean like x-wing sure. does have some things going for it but like, yeah, we did things like tweak, um, I think the suppression and courage system. Right. It used to have another layer to it where like characters had like a hidden value of three that they checked for panicking. And mm -hmm. we simplified that to just like, you've got your courage number that's suppressed and double your courage number that's panicked. So that's right. trying to like not have, I think this is along the same lines as the, the, um, the dice. And this is a big part of like the unit card and upgrade card presentation and just that like what FFG does with all their games is that there's no really hidden information. You don't need a book or codex where you're looking up like, all right, what does this thing actually do? What, you know, weapon is actually equipped to this guy? You know, it's all present there for the Definitely, players. Definitely, yeah. I think that goes a long way towards mm -hmm. like eliminating a barrier to entry as well. Having the rules in front of you that you can share with your opponent at the same time is really Yeah, big. pretty much, exactly, yeah. But I, I will say from, from me playing a lot of other different war games, um, I have to reference the rules less in Star Wars Legion than in any other game I've ever played. Well, you just play them all that's wrong. Great. So that's, <laughs> that could very well be. <laughs> no, but that's, yeah, I mean, that's good to hear. Uh, we yeah, tried to keep it. We tried to keep it um, very clean. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some, you know, there's some complicated nuances with, you know, an action like an attack action versus an attack, and sure. various mm -hmm. little sort of things that you kind of have to wrap your head around. But I think that ultimately, because of the way that we've hopefully, I mean, ideally, been really clear in the way things work, um, there, there's hopefully a lot less of that kind of ambiguity or gray area that can that can bog down um, certain you know miniatures games. We've tried mm -hmm. to be very binary in things and to be very clear about things, while still hopefully allowing people to get creative and, and play so on different battlefields and stuff. Yeah. One of the uh, things you guys did as a design choice, I think, towards the newer player is you decided to go away from like a sprue setup for how the figures are packaged and actually have them all zip locked individually with all the pieces in there. Whose idea was that? And give them a high five for me. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I actually fought pretty hard for spews. At, uh, spews. Freudian <laughs> 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 slip or something. No, I, I fought pretty hard for spruce at first because um, there are some advantages to it. But the, the more we talked about it and the more we looked at the kind of game we were trying to create, the more we realized that um, that kind of individually bagged, very approachable modeling thing was really yeah. important in terms of drawing new players in. And I, I had my um, skepticism about, you know, how that would turn out, but it looks awesome. And I think the figures are really, really attractive. So I think it was the right way to go at the end of the day, even though, um, you know, that wasn't my initial perspective. I am really, really happy with what we ended up landing on. Yeah. Well, and I, it has to do with the plastic too mm -hmm. themselves. So like the all the figures and stuff, those are PVC plastic, which don't have sprues. They don't come out on a sprue. Right, yeah, that's mold injected. Yeah, and doing that PVC plastic lets us, uh, you know, do um, cheaper molds, honestly. Mm -hmm. it's, it's easier. We can uh, do details and things that, uh, like on a uh, one part, that mm -hmm. you would need multiple parts for if it was in that harder ABS plastic. Um, and so that cuts down on the number of individual parts that um, the models have. Right, which, which makes it easier if you're, yeah, yeah. if you're get, just getting into the, this hobby and you buy that corset. Almost every Stormtrooper is just two pieces. Mm -hmm. Not, not uh, the heavy, heavies have more, but like the Stormtroopers yeah, are like three maybe. in the torso. Now, as we do get into the expansions and things, I don't know if people have noticed this yet with like the snow troopers and the fleet troopers, um, you are getting a few more parts. Like instead of the mm -hmm. both arms being one part, you know, each arm will be a different part and they sort of plug together at the wrist of one into the gun. Um, and so in that respect, they are getting, you know, as we go on, we are adding a little more detail and the models are getting a little more complex. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, it was actually something that we, uh, I know, made a conscious decision about is to like, you know, have as little end user assembly, you know, as we could manage while still giving, you know, a moderate amount of, you know, because assembly is fun too. Like that's part of the hobby. It Sitting is. Down sure. and, it is. You know, <laughs> just, you know uh, cleaning up those mold lines and mm -hmm. putting your little guys together. So, um, yes, yeah, so that was a conscious decision that we made. And one of the things I'm really happy about is that we are using two different types of plastics. We're using uh, the harder uh, plastic for the vehicles mm -hmm. and the, the kind of um, figures that need that extra crispness mm -hmm. and rigidity. And I think yeah. by combining the two, you actually get you get a really interesting model. I really love the speeder bikes models because they have that combination of the more organic. You know, they're wearing armor, but they're still you know human beings. Yeah. Folds of fabric and, and what have you, and then like the, the you know the rigidity of the speeder bike. So like you know, and it, this is like uh, something that came through a lot of different you know experimentation. We built on the experience that we got through making Rune Wars, and um, uh, the digital sculpting team expanded hugely. Um, so it's really been it's been a really interesting experience to like watch you know watch them figure this stuff out and, and go through different prototypes and, and that kind of thing. So it's been just really cool from like a technical angle to see this come together sure and from a hobbyist perspective you know they're they're very easy to customize you know we've seen some some great uh you know kit alien bashes and stuff and things, alien head yeah. swaps yeah through yep. through different yep. people so you guys have provided a, a great basis for people to you know customize things and you know enjoy the hobby aspect as well yeah, that's what we want. Yeah, and I think uh, we're happy to see those customizations. Oh, I mean, totally. I am. You oh, know, yeah. it's super sweet. Like, there's been some sweet custom faders I've seen, oh, and, no. and uh, stuff. 
You know, I, I'm a fan of that hammerhead that I've seen around or yeah. the uh, the all Moncal squad of yeah. uh, troopers. <laughs> At least they always know it's a trap. True. True. They know. Mm. They know. They're right. <laughs> So uh, getting back into the, the, uh, the rules questions here, how hard is it to, you know, when you initially come up with the core set, you kind of know how to balance units within each other, you know, because they only are the, they're the only ones that exist. But as you create new units and new rules within the game, how hard is it to maintain that balance? It's a good question for Luke, I think, because Luke's been very heavily involved in some of the yeah. I've the had, major I've been, Alex just handed me just this terrible game. <laughs> <and I> just, <laughs> oh, what do I do with this? Good luck, buddy. No, um, actually, no. That is one of the things that like I've definitely been fortunate with coming into Fantasy Flight is that Legion is super easy to work with. Like the it, it's it really fits the IP very well. In that, you know, you, you know, say you're designing a new unit, and you're like, all right, cool. Well, uh, you just think through the stats, and you're like, well, what cool abilities should this guy have? And you sort of Frankenstein together some existing abilities on, you know, uh, different characters, and then you add some new ones for flavor that sort of go with that unit. Um, as far as balance goes, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of levers to pull. There's a lot of little ways to tweak things and you know make something slightly better at this, but slightly worse at this, you know, or to add some sort of thematic flavor to something, you know, like uh, Han Solo, for example, like he rolls the same defense dice as almost all the other rebels, but he's real, he's a lucky guy. So he gets to do a little reroll in there too. So plus you um, have to have Han shoots first. Like that was, and you, that gotta, was yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> sorry about that mess. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's, it's a combination of a, it's a really good uh, sort of um, easily malleable uh, rule set and then a really strong IP. So, you is know, that where we can, with, oh, sorry, oh, I was going to say, is that where we got the, like the impervious rule for Boba Fett? Yeah, that's sweet. So he's not just armor, immune man. to, you know, Pierce. Yep. Exactly. Well, we had a lot of games where uh, Han Solo was just blasting him down. And uh, <laughs> that's cool. That's that would be thematically appropriate. But, yeah, but uh, it was it was just one of those things where where he was extremely strong against attacks that didn't have Pierce, and then Pierce was just a silver bullet. And it's still super good against him, but we felt like it'd be a little bit more interesting if he had some additional defenses. That's awesome. Against that. And, then, and, and it's, that's a rule we can easily use in the future too. It's it's one of the things I will say about the Legion rule set having worked on X-Wing for like five years and in first edition having, you know, maybe five little sliders that I could adjust, mm -hmm. I made very sure to have as many little flips and toggles yep. <laughs> and switches and buttons and, you know, because I knew that the game was going to have to um, sustain, an, uh, you know, a large amount of growth. Mm -hmm. So I wanted there to be a lot of different ways to design a unit while still keeping it pretty simple. Um, and so that, that's worked out pretty well, I think. Um, I'm super happy. It's been really cool seeing, you know, Luke pick up the ball and just do really interesting things with the system, like have ideas that I never even thought of and that kind of thing. So that's been pretty cool. Now, you mentioned about the, uh, you know, working with this IP in particular and how, how much fun it is and how much room it's, it's given you to, you know, to work with iconic characters. Do you feel any extra pressure, though? Because, I mean, we all know how supportive this, the Star Wars fan base can be. <laughs> um, do, you, do you feel Not any... critical at all. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Especially on the internet, where, you know, yeah. always polite. 
Um, do you feel any added pressure to kind of make sure that you're, you know, respecting the boundaries of the IP? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've been doing Star Wars for so long. <laughs> like, it's been almost six years worth of nothing but Star Wars games. So I think uh, <laughs> I, I have gotten past uh, certain you know, extra critical aspects of the community. And in all honesty, there's been so much positivity and excitement. That's sort of the dominant uh, experience that I've had with fans and, and with gamers and stuff. Awesome. Um, so it's been, it's just been really cool in terms of like respecting the IP and, and what have you. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I always want to do is I want to make sure it feels like Star Wars. Um, and my two like biggest hopes are that one, it's fun and two, it feels like Star Wars, and then three, that it's, you know, balanced and, and doesn't totally upset the competitive game or, you know, uh, drive out other viable options. So those are, like, the, the kind of the main things that I'm always concerned about, but, like, respecting the IP and, and having it feel like it should is really high on the list. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's pretty easy to respect the IP, too, because yeah. we're huge fans. Uh -huh. Like, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, a lot of this stuff, we're just designing it because we want to see it in the game. Yeah, we're like, that um, would be cool. Yeah, that'd be super that. sweet. I want to see that many. <laughs> like, we should make that thing and uh -huh. see, have that thing in the game. Well, so. Boba Fett should totally be able to, you know, uh, whipcord up. Yeah, he's got, a whip, he's got a whipcord, dude. You know? <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, it's in a lot of ways because the universe is so cool and so funky and so full of weird, oddball things. Um, it's really easy to design for. There's so many possibilities. Mm -hmm. Like we, like okay, for example, Boba Fett. You open up one of those old books, oh, man. like the visual guides. Mm. Dude has everything. He's got like sonic disruptors. He's got knee darts. He's yeah, got... we didn't we didn't work in the knee. <laughs> we worked in we worked in boot spikes. Though, yeah, right? we got the boot spikes the boot in spikes, there. Wow. But he's got some sort of like no, I mean like so like like Boba uh, <laughs> Hidalgo will do this insane depth oh yeah uh and this is obviously a you know universe that's been extrapolated on for years and has mm -hmm. a you know crazy rabid just enthusiastic fan base so we're just spoiled for choice it's, it's honestly a matter of like editing down yeah uh, all the stuff we could be doing into something that's not i mean boba fett still has three weapons on his card and three, and three and cards three that are card-based weapon. weapons and that's yeah. like yeah. <laughs> we had seven or eight other ones we could have chosen from yeah. so it's uh it's it's not tough no. there's so much great stuff out there it's true yeah you mentioned editing down and, and i don't want you guys to kind of bite the hand that feeds you here but <laughs> how much pressure do you guys get from disney to kind of exclude all of that stuff that the that the lucasfilm story group kind of flushed from the eu in a, in a new game like legion that especially deals with a time period where so much of that expanded universe background stuff came from well um, I would say it's not so much a matter of exclusion as it is of just uh, primacy. I mm -hmm. mean, like, first and foremost, I think the directive that we had from LFL and that, you know, just internally we were in agreement with is, you know, this is the original trilogy first. Mm -hmm. And we're going to mine as much of that as possible. And as we continue to do that, then we'll start folding in some of the stuff from the other great secondary material that we have. I mean, you know, it's fun to work in, you know, sort of EU nods and things, you know, where we can, but honestly, like Rebels is great, you know, and Rogue One is great, you know, so mm -hmm. we have like, and, and the solo movie too, like, again, like we have so much 
canon, if you will, material to work with that, um, yeah, it, it's, it's not really so much of a, oh, don't do this, don't do this, you know, as a like, you know, we want you, we want to see this, we want to see this. Mm -hmm. And we're like, yeah, we do too, so. Yeah, it's just, it's a it's priorities thing. Yeah. Um, and we knew from the start that our focus was going to be on the original trilogy to begin with, but that after that we would be able to expand uh, in all kinds of different directions. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, I have kind of worked on Star Wars games at FFG both before, during, and kind of after the, the Disney acquisition of the, the, you know, the universe. And... Um, there's just so much more stuff out there for us to draw from as compared to like five years ago. It's actually jaw dropping. Uh, when I think about how many new things that we have developed since the force awakens came out and, and rebels, you know, came onto the scene. So like it was pretty unbelievably fortuitous, uh, timing for the company to have this license in place when the kind of star Wars Renaissance kicked off into high gear. So, um, we're just, again, totally spoiled for choice. There are so many, many things we could be doing. John, you might um, need to go back and to draw from the films first. edit out all my heavy breathing right now. So <laughs> I'm trying to keep it away from the mic, but oh my God. <laughs> but how are you guys going to fit gunboats in here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one game at a time. Right, 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 right. right. Gun, gunboat terrain pack. <laughs> I'll take 12. Yeah. Right. Uh, talk a little bit, if you can, about the, the pre-release playtesting uh, that you guys went through with the game. Uh, how many people you had? What, what was kind of the regime like? Because it seemed a lot like post-release that people would email you or people would post on forums and then Alex, you would come back with a re response that was either kind of like, well, yes, you can do that. Like it wasn't expected or, or all, or it was a response of, well, we kind of missed that when we put it into the, into the rules guide. Um, there, there to a point where it almost seemed like the first month or two after release was almost like a, a, a wide release beta test an, an open beta almost. Um, so let us talk to us a little bit about what that play testing regime was like. Uh, sure. No, that's a, that's a good point. Um, well, I, and, and I'll just go ahead and, and come right on the record. This is my first, uh, game that I've designed from the ground up. Like I, I did, you know, four and a half years of, development work working and expanding on and iterating on and in some cases revising uh, existing rule sets. And I knew that it was going to be a different experience uh, creating rules from the ground up, but I had no idea how hard and complicated and insane that process actually is. Um, sitting down and writing a rules reference that ends up being what, it's like 55 it's pages? It's like 50 something pages. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in kind of uh, rules hell <laughs> towards the end of the project. <laughs> kind of like yeah, I did not, not envy you. Not getting much sleep, staying like I don't even know how many times I went through those rule books trying to get them, you know, as as polished as I could before wide release. But you're right, we missed, uh, you know, some substantial things. But I will say one of the really nice things about the way that we have kind of structured our games in this modern era is these living rule books are so wonderful because um, while we try to get them as polished as possible before release, inevitably some things will be missed. And the beauty of having an editable document online, which was always the intention for Legion, is that when new rules are added, they can be folded in. And if we've missed anything or need to clarify anything, 
uh, we can do that. The big thing that we didn't really, uh, in hindsight, address properly was the cover system. And fortunately, with that living rulebook, we had the luxury of going back in and tinkering with it a little bit, so it was much more palatable to people. And you know, part of that was just getting to see um, see it in person with actual uh, miniatures, because when we were playtesting, people were doing a lot of of proxying and stand-ins and, and we built silhouettes and stuff, but it's still a different, it's a different story when you have that giant ATSD actually on a custom battlefield versus when you're trying to kind of play test something that's, you know, that's just a prototype. Um, but the playtesting process is very similar to the process that we did for all of our other games. We recruited a bunch of uh, playtesters from uh, some with previous experience in playtesting for us, some with no experience, some with wargaming experience, some with no wargaming experience, trying to get the broadest base of people possible. And then we just threw, you know, wave after wave of, of content and tweaking and, and redesign at them. We got it into um, shape for an alpha test and then we opened it up to testing. We went through several months of alpha testing and then we did a beta test where we actually mailed people components and then changed substantially during the beta test. And then as you mentioned, like sort of post-release, there was this kind of third level of like community testing where it's actually out in the public hands and we get even more valuable feedback from there. So there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it, but basically people play games and tell me what they like and, and what they don't. And I try to <laughs> try to <laughs> react accordingly. Yeah, and we do, we do a lot of internal play testing yeah, amongst true. developers. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the, we recruit a lot of people to playtest, but even then, like the amount of playtesters we have on hand is, you know, certainly vastly diminished by the number of just people out in the world playing a game. Uh, yeah, that's just yeah, that's just a fact. But yeah, no, the living rules references is amazing. We're always envious of like uh, like video game developers, it's right? Like, oh, just just go in and just change, you know, I don't know the rate of fire on that gun. You just do that poster. Yep. We can't exactly do that, but we do have a living rules reference. So we do have some leeway there. So with well, the... I'm kind of pushing on the rudder to get us as close to that as possible. I'm pretty happy with what we've been able to do with X-Wing 2nd Edition and, and, in terms of, you know, live live updates and that kind of thing. So. This is this is something that we were kind of speculating on the show last week. Does, does that living rules reference kind of preclude us from seeing a 27-page fact like you would see for X-Wing 1.0? I sure hope so. That's the idea. I, I, I can say <laughs> I can say affirmatively correct. Yeah. So far, so there, good. There yes. will not be a fact for Legion, uh, or oh, if wow. there is wow. one, it'll be it'll be related to very specific interactions yeah. uh, and, and questions. But yeah, so it'll far be a part we have the rules reference, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there won't be a separate fact. I think any fact that we produce will be relatively short, and we'll deal with really corner case situations. Um, the idea is that if there's an area of the rulebook that isn't clear. We'll just go in and fix that section uh, rather than, um, you know, have to have to convey that information through like a series of errata or questions and answers and that kind of thing. And I think so far that's worked out really, really well. I think the cover cover is one of those things that um, wasn't quite perfect out of the gate, but I think we've arrived at a, at a very good um, system after a slight tweak to that section of the rules. Now, with, uh, you know, the core set containing some of the most iconic characters within the Star Wars universe, you know, Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, Stormtroopers, as we start to see more and more new units, you know, possibly take the places of some of those iconic units, do you have, do you, I mean, do you think that there will be backwards compatibility with upgrade cards in order to keep advancing those previous units? 
Uh, yes, I will say just, yeah. Um, the, the slots that I built into specific units are really conducive to that. Um, and that's again, part of what makes the IP so cool. I can give the force power slot to, you know, that upgrade icon to Luke and Vader. And then if for some reason they turn out to be lackluster in the future, which I don't think it's going to be an issue. (laughs) They're pretty mean. Uh, You know, a new force power can come out to rectify that. But in general, I will say that that, um, I'm hoping not to have to do a lot of like backwards fixing. We're trying really, really hard to make the new units that come out a lateral choice rather than just a better thing. So, you know, one of the hopes is that, you know, Han is not a replacement for Luke and Leia. He's a different path. Um, he's not better. He's not worse. Hopefully, there, and, and certainly there's going to be some commanders that the community views as stronger than others. But the idea is that you'll have a whole bunch of very different options that will suit different play styles. And so one of the things that we try to do is we try to make sure that all the new units and commanders are fulfilling a different role than the existing ones. Um, which is why you'll you'll likely not see you know another lightsaber wielding combat machine uh, a- anytime soon because we want to go in some different directions and give people new options before we have to risk kind of someone comparing apples to apples versus apples to oranges or Darth Vader's to General Beers. Um, <laughs> there goes your Yoda so. speculation. <laughs> <laughs> If we did do something like Yoda, for example, it would be a very different approach than the existing Force-using characters we've already done. Right. Well, I think, I mean, the difference between, like, Vader and Emperor Palpatine oh, is pretty Yeah, big. that's oh, true. Yeah. Like, they're both really similar in points cost. They can they both will, do a ton of damage. They will play very differently, mm-hmm. though. Yeah, those two, those two are, are the, yeah, they're very similar points cost. They both have Force powers. They are both, you know, heavy combat units in, in terms of being able to dish out a ton of damage on an individual basis, but man, they do not play similarly at all. They're a very different play style. So I'm pretty much exclusively a Rebel player here, but when I saw that last release, uh, I got really excited, and I think I'm gonna actually start, you know, getting some some more Imperial stuff. Uh, oh man. <laughs> but yeah, I know, right? One of the things that, that kind of drew me to the dark side, though, was for cookies? the first time, I'm starting to see a lot of besides and by dark side, you mean the terrorists, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, um, it was the viability of playing you know several units of these uh Imperial Royal Guards with, mm-hmm. with Palpatine and having uh close combat really become a uh, you know a viable strategy within the game. Do you see that becoming you know more of a direction of some units in the game? Yeah, and I would say Alex and I have actually said to each other on numerous occasions that, like, uh, Legion will sort of be released as a full game uh, once all of mm, Wave 3 is actually out, which, I mean, that's stuff that isn't even announced yet. So, like, we have a lot of, like, things that are, like, aspects of the game or important to the game that are still on the horizon. So like the game is definitely still developing and Melee is definitely one of those things. Yeah, you get kind of a, a preview of the remix in the, the core set with Luke and Vader. But yeah, no, Melee was certainly designed to be a core function of the game. Um, and that's a reflection of it being this kind of swashbuckling um, space fantasy universe with laser swords. Um, you want that to matter. You want you want that to, to be an interesting component because it's in the fiction. 
it's in particularly like in the novels and comics and stuff you see a lot of hand-to-hand combat and, and specialized weird vibro weapons and like all this cool stuff and so for the game to really work as a star wars game that has to be a viable strategy um hence the royal guard hence other units in the future that will certainly... <laughs> that, that we can't say <laughs> what they are. You know? Yeah, yeah, but no, no. That, that's uh, the melee rules are definitely um, somewhat nuanced for that reason. We wanted people to be able to kind of, um, you know, take cover in the, the fracas of close quarters combat to, to you know, be able to avoid uh, getting blasted. Um, so yeah, there's definitely plans for that to become more of a component that you have to plan for. You know, whether you want to bring some close combat badasses of your own or you just need to make sure that your army can handle that kind of unit across the tabletop, um, we definitely expect and uh, encourage that as a, as a you know, a, a strategy. How aware are you guys of the, the meta or, you know, what people are, are bringing for lists for tournaments? Um, do you guys, you know pay attention regularly to the the star wars legion facebook pages um you know do you how much time do you guys spend outside of the ffg headquarters watching games um i'd say i check in i check in on uh some various social media sources um but uh you know it, it is interesting though because like i mean whatever's the current meta we've already designed a year out of what's going to, you know, add to that, that meta. So so we're developing for some sort of non-existent hypothetical future meta. (laughs) And that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, it's true. Uh, That being said, no, we, we do pay attention to like what is effective and what is considered, you know, a little bit less uh, something that you're going to reach for immediately. And we're certainly trying to um, kind of nudge things into a more balanced state as we go. And certain upgrade cards can help with that. And then the other thing that we do is we just we, we want to make sure that, you know, one, uh, a core or early wave, you know, early, early releases army is viable can, and can stand up to units from later waves. And also that units from later waves can hack it against corset stuff. So we'll do a we'll do a lot of testing internally where it's just like, well, I'm going to build an all core and early wave army, and we're going to take it up against you know all the new stuff, and then we'll mix and match. And, and the the overall idea is, yeah, we uh, we really want to uh, prevent the new stuff from outclassing the old stuff, or from being you know why would I take that when I already have three units of rebel troopers with C6s like. Mm-hmm. That the, the new things have to both bring a new strategy and be effective uh, without totally outclassing everything that's come before, unless you're paying some sort of points premium for it. Mm-hmm. In, in um, com- oh, sorry, go ahead. Finish. Sorry. No, no. That, sorry, that, sorry, sorry. That's pretty much it. Okay. It's, 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 it's always <laughs> that kind of, you know, just very like it's an ecosystem and you're trying not to make anything extinct. And you don't want to introduce <laughs> super predators, but you don't want to just have something come out that's just going to, you know, flat so it's it's tough it's an ongoing challenge to be sure in our conversations before you guys came on one of the things you said you guys didn't want to talk about was future metas and that kind of made me think and and the question i have is how often in your playtesting 
experience, do you know what the meta is going to be before it even comes out? And then contrast that with how often do the players just completely surprise you? Uh, to put it in X-Wing terms, you know, how often do you know that triple scouts is going to be a thing? Um, versus versus uh, some player come somewhere comes up with some stuff like post guns for hire and holy cow if you don't have ordnance in your list you're gonna die um, how how often does that happen and, and do you guys design with a with a set meta in mind in the future uh, we definitely don't design with a meta in mind because I think if we tried to do that one we would fail two it would it would be weirdly prescriptive. Uh, one of the coolest things as a designer is to see what people do with your creation. Um, and sure, I mean, sometimes I will have designed something and I will know that it's powerful, you know, like just to go back to X-Wing as an example, when I did Emperor Palpatine <laughs> as a crew card, I knew he was awesome and really, really mean, but he took a really long time to catch on publicly. Uh, like a surprising amount of time when he was first previewed people were not uh, excited about it or they thought it was too expensive or what have you uh, and then of course it turned out to be hugely powerful maybe even more powerful than I anticipated um, conversely sometimes I just miss the mark and something comes out of nowhere as being way stronger than I thought it would be so I am not I am not under any illusions that I could craft a meta even if I wanted to <laughs> uh, so the best thing that I can try to do is just sort of like you know, uh, ride the lightning as best I can, and, and try not to try not to make things that are that are too disruptive, if at all possible. Uh, yeah, but we do do uh, we do do stress testing, play tests. Oh, definitely. Like, what if we take all of this? What yeah. if we take the maximum? You just fielded a maximum activation army against me. What did it have like? Yeah, that was no. It had it had sixteen activations. There's oh, too many. Girl. Too many. Too many activations. Wow. <laughs> but you lost. But it's true. I lost because you blew up all my guys. I did do that. <laughs> so and so, what we found out from that was, you know, yes, we're keeping an eye on massive activations as a potential problem. But when you have a bunch of small units without large dice pools, their offense is not strong enough to deal with something that can put out more firepower. So it's like one of those things. Like, yeah, yeah, we know activations are powerful. How do you balance that? Well, one of the things I tried to do was make sure that the cover system was much stronger against a series of weak attacks versus a, a large attack. And what that does is encourages you to max out some of your units so that you can actually deliver that damage. Um, so some of this stuff is really intentional. But at the same time, some of the strongest lists out there are a lot of Rebels or Darth Vader and six Stormtroopers or what have you. So, you know, it's always, it's always this kind of like, delicate thing you know we didn't want vehicles to be too strong but are they strong enough and you know i think i think it's going to be really really interesting when there's more variety yeah. and when there's a ton of different options out there and different lateral moves and different strategies and commanders and, and what have you i think you're going to see a really kind of fascinating uh and and hard to predict meta emerge yeah well and i think what we want too is uh i think it's important to keep in mind like legion as a hobby game yeah. You know, and like people are going to put a lot of effort into models and units that they really love. They're going to paint them up and they want to they want to use their painted guys. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, so that's something too. Like we want everything to, you know, have its place. We want everything to be, you know, viable or, you know, if a particular player gets very adept at using this particular unit, you know, like they're going to be good with it. They can always have it in their army. So mm -hmm. 
um, you know, that's that's certainly an aspect. So we want, you know, players to invest in things. We don't want things to sort of get, you know, phased out by other things. But uh, as more and more stuff comes out, you know, you may have like, oh, yeah, I really like, you know, the Z6 guys. So I'm always going to take one, but there's all this other cool jazz, too, that I'm mm-hmm. also going to want to take in this army. I'm really happy to hear you guys. practice and play style, too, because... Um, you know, when, when speeder bikes first came out, when the game first came out, a lot of people were having trouble using them because they didn't uh, grasp sort of the nuances of, of their of their strategy and how fragile they are uh, and, and, you know, certain ways that you can leverage them by holding back or coming in on, on vectors that don't expose them to a lot of firepower. Um, so, and, and of course, I think at this point, speeder bikes are pretty universally acknowledged as one of the strongest units of the game. But it's really interesting because... Um, a lot of a unit strength depends on its tactics and the rest of your army and, and the setup cards that you choose and how you approach things. And I and I really like that about the community and about and about players. I mean, some people will have uh, a unit that they find very effective for them personally, while other people will not take that unit because they don't play that way. Yeah, you know, and I mean, to borrow a card game term, it's all about piloting, piloting your deck. You know? Sure. So like, you may be very, very good at piloting this particular army or a group of units you know and someone else throws down that army and they don't do as good but mm-hmm. you know it's so that's definitely an aspect of it it's it's really nice from my perspective as a as a former x-wing player to hear you guys say that about the usability of units because i have a bunch of ships and cards that i've never put on the table <laughs> because they just weren't yep. tournament competitive um, and I knew that if I brought those ships out there, I, I wasn't going to have a good day. So mm-hmm. as somebody who's made that switch over from X-Wing into Legion, it's really, really encouraging to hear you guys say that. Well, and one of the other things that we were very careful to do is to keep the game objective-based and to not reward armies that just want to eliminate the enemy. Um, I have I mean, lost. That, that helps. It helps. I mean, it's not a bad idea. If your opponent has no units left, but, but you win. I mean, like, how many times have I just beat the hell out of you and had you win the game anyway? Yeah, that, like, one, that, one, many, time, many that one time that Boba Fett jumped out and quick shot Luke Skywalker yeah. and then got away with that bounty and won the game. <laughs> wow. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, that was uh, And it's thematic. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's a, that's a big part of it. Like, the, the nice thing about... Um, Legion is because it is objective-based, you can have a unit that does absolutely no damage to the enemy forces during a game and wins you the game, potentially, uh, because it was there at a key juncture, or it prevented whatever, or it jumped into melee at the right time and prevented someone from claiming an objective. So because of that system, the game is a lot more forgiving. Um, And if a unit does something that is interesting but challenging to pull off, in the right circumstances, it can be really, really powerful. Um, Boba Fett's a good example of that. He, you know, points point for point, he is not going to do an enormous amount of damage over the course of a game. But he can surgically apply that damage in really key ways, and he has a built-in way to, to achieve a victory token. Um, so he's a really powerful unit uh, because he can put the damage, he's extremely mobile, he's hard to kill uh, or to defeat, uh, and, you know, he's very, uh, very difficult for the opponent to react to, and it really puts them on the defensive in a lot of ways. Um, so that kind of thing lets us get really, you know, more creative and more flexible with our design. 
Whereas with X-Wing, it's like, does this ship shoot good and will it not explode? <laughs> you know, and that's fundamentally, you know, it's a little more nuanced than that, obviously, because there are a lot of interplays. But, you know, on a fundamental level, does this ship blow up the enemy squad and not die? You know, that's <laughs> that's pretty binary. That's pretty limiting in a lot of ways. The cool thing about working on Legion is that you have a lot more creativity with what units bring to the game. So talking about the uh, the units that we already have out there, um, what were the unit, what was the unit that you, I guess, had the most fun in developing the rules for and, you know, the model for, and why was it barricades? <laughs> uh, they're just, they're OP, you know, they, uh, they don't cost you any squat points and they provide well, there you go. cover to troopers. It's <laughs> pretty strong. Okay. Yeah, it's FSG, pretty strong. please nerf. <laughs> when do we get mobile barricades? Oh, well, we can't talk about oh, that. Oh, man. <laughs> I tried to trick you there. Yeah. <laughs> it will blow your mind when it, when it happens. <laughs> so, that's a good question. Yeah, do you have something off the top of your head? Um, of, what, of what is released currently, I really am happy with how the speeder bikes turned out. I think they feel... it's. I mean, it's tough. Like uh, One of the things about you know, trying to design that unit is that it's insanely fast on screen. Like you see, um, you see how quickly they move through the forest and you see this sort of high speed and danger that comes with that. And I really, really wanted to make sure that got reflected on the tabletop. Um, and, you know, I obviously work, have worked on X-Wing for a really long time. And I thought to myself, hey, you know what works pretty well is uh, compulsory movement. Um, because it forces you to think ahead with your strategy. That's the entire game of X-Wing is anticipating where both your and your enemy ships are going to be. And when you add that element of force mobility and flexibility and speed to Legion, you have this really interesting dynamic between units that can stay in a fixed position and defend or move into cover and, and you know, and create fire lanes and a unit that has incredible speed and the ability to sort of disrupt that fixed formation. And so I think it was just a really fun unit to design. And it, to my mind, anyway, it feels like a speeder bike. It, it feels organic, definitely. Yeah. yeah, so I was really, really happy with that. So that, I think that's my answer. Yeah, no, uh, you do love speeder bikes. <laughs> you hate speeder bikes. <laughs> yeah, I do. You always put speeder bikes, and I always kill them. I was, I was target, it's number target number one. one. Yeah, yeah kill speeder bikes. Yeah. You couldn't hear it, but when you said speeder bikes, we were all nodding our heads. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah, I would say I would say fleet troopers. Okay, I, I, and actually, I think they're a good example of that lateral choice. Like, yep. do you want an entire army of fleet troopers? No, that's be tough. kind of a bad decision. But do you want one or two? Yeah, yeah, yeah you kind of do. They're, they they hit harder for their cost. Yeah, you know, that scatter gun. That's a mean. Mm-hmm. That's a mean gun. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like that's like you know one of those levers to pull is like, oh, you know, how about they have double dice, but it's range one to two. Mm-hmm. You know, that's. It's an interesting little wrinkle. So yeah, I'm pleased with those guys. I like them too because you can field them without an upgrade if you want a fairly mm-hmm. effective combat squad for a very small amount of you know your total army. Yeah. So I think yeah, they, they certainly have a place. Mm-hmm. But I, I have fielded an army of all fleet troopers. Doesn't doesn't go so well. Oh yeah, it's hard <laughs> to shoot back. Yeah, and everything. So. But you got to try it. That's one of those things. It's like, does is this too good? No, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one. Watch as fleet troopers become the top slot of the meta. Right. Yeah, here I am, like on record, being like, oh, don't worry about it. 
Well, that is one thing I really do enjoy about Legion is the fact that you don't get a lot of just, you know, copy-paste units and have them, you know, yes. just absolutely dominate the table. Um, yeah, and I think, well, like you were saying a, a little bit earlier, like there's, you know, there's more Legion coming out. You do mm-hmm. see a little copying and pasting with, like, Rebels in the Z6s and Stormtroopers in the DLT-19s. Um, and yeah, I think people are hungry for some variety. Yeah, I think it's, it's coming in spades. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. So we, we got a, a glimpse a little bit of the you know the competitive nature between you guys. Uh, take us inside the the FFG uh, gaming room. How competitive do you guys get? Yeah, the gaming living room. You and I are in the high end of the spectrum, I would say. It's true, but people get excited about stuff here. Like it's when true. a new Destiny set drops, it's like true. tons of tons of fantasy play employees buy Destiny stuff, and we all play. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the whole Johnny Spike Timmy matrix that was kind of created by, um, you know, uh, Magic developers. Um, but basically, it kind of posits that there are three different gaming archetypes. Spike is the win at all costs, mm-hmm. just wants the best thing. Johnny wants to get creative. Timmy likes big stuff that blows stuff up. <laughs> um, that's kind of, and I think on that matrix, I'm definitely like a Johnny Spike. Like, I want. I want an interesting army that's effective and can let me win games. And yeah, and I'd I think Luke's pretty similar. Johnny Spike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so like we have, and like Luke and I have been playing games together for years prior to his employment here. We mm-hmm. played Netrunner. We played the old Lord of the Rings collectible card game, which yeah, the rules. Yeah. Um, so we've always had that pushing. kind of mindset. Um, but one of the other things that I think I've found, especially as I kind of get older and, and, and chill out a little bit, is like games and particularly hobby games. For me, I think the most interesting and fun aspect of that is that narrative immersion and the fun that you can have with your friends and kind of the storytelling aspect of it. And I think when all of that combines together, which it frequently does when Luke and I play each other because we have a very, we, you know, we have a very, um, close skill level we're pretty much one and one in our games and it's always challenging and fun and it's always an interesting story that gets told so it's like when you get that perfect mix of players who are on a similar level and who are you know competitive but chill um that's like the 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 ideal for me and i think that's where uh things get really really interesting and and fun and i'm hoping that legion is that kind of game and kind of enables that kind of experience for people so far so good Oh well, good. <laughs> here. Yeah. but yeah, we go at it. Like uh, well, I, uh, I can get a little grumpy if, uh, if, if my carefully conceived plans go awry. I once had a game where I had. Can I talk about that game? The Royal Guards. Yeah. Okay. Royal Ooh. Guards out. I can't. I can't talk about some of the circumstances. But let's just say my Royal Guards let me down. I got two units of them into close combat with uh, some Rebel troopers. Just schmucks. Just, just schmucks. <laughs> no upgrades. No upgrades. Rebel yep. troopers. And then good old dice variants kicked in. Luke made all of his armor saves. I made none. Yeah. The, ro- the Rebel <laughs> troopers just punched <laughs> the Royal Guards to death. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so you know, and then and this, there's sometimes that that moment of like. Ah, dang! I had this cool plan, but <laughs> then dice happened. Like at the end of the day, we're, we're we're playing games so that we can make the game better, yeah. not so that necessarily so that we can you know win or or whatever, have fun playing games, mm-hmm. even though we do, even though we do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, that, but that's great to hear because you know sometimes from the outside perspective, you might think that game developers are just looking at things you know analytically with statistics, but I mean, you guys are just like you guys it. look at it the same way. You guys tell narratives on the on the tabletop, and that's that's great to hear. It's refreshing. Oh, definitely. 
and it depends on the kind of game too you know like um some of the lcgs are really focused on the competitive side of things legion is legion is very intentionally more hobby more narrative we want that strategy to be in there we want it to be a good and challenging game but more important to me at any rate is for it to be fun and flavorful and interesting and narrative and like all the all that you know hobby goodness all the as they say soft scores uh you know where you're just having a fun time and looking at beautiful scenery and, and a gorgeously painted army that that to me is the most interesting and important thing and uh hopefully the game itself will just add to that and um and and be pretty balanced and pretty competitive but it's definitely not not my top priority the way that it is on some other games that i work on yeah and i can echo that too like that coming in and working on legion like one of the most immediate things was that narrative experience like you have your guys spread out across the board and it's like oh this little fight develops over here where these guys are trying to take this one objective and it's just rebel troopers versus stormtroopers and over here you know luke and vader are locked in melee combat i mean that's just an aspect of of hobby games in, mm -hmm. in general and i think that's something that legion supports and like we've said it's got that great ip that uh goes along with that sort of narrative aspect so well, and players bring their own, you know, interesting stuff to the table too. Like the, a lot of people will have custom backgrounds for their for their forces and storylines that go along with their squad leaders and commanders, and and that just makes it a more interesting experience. If you mm -hmm. sit sit down across the table from someone and they're like, "Well, this is where these guys came from," they were right, or they a have rebel a cell on particular paint wherever, yeah. yeah, and then this is how they developed and et cetera, et cetera. It just makes it more interesting. You guys had talked earlier about some mechanics that you guys had to cut because they were too laborious or they didn't make sense. It just made the game too unwieldy. What are some mechanics sure. that you guys cut during the initial process that you guys actually regret, that, that you, you kind of had to cut, but you really wish you hadn't? I don't regret anything that I cut, but what, I, what has happened, this has been really interesting, is in future waves we've come up with stuff right. where I was like, oh, if only we had known this earlier, we could have done this, this, or this. Mm -hmm. um, so I, there's nothing that I had to leave on the cutting room floor that I am that I am sad it's gone. Yeah, nothing at all that I can. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that we may, maybe would have done a little bit differently. And I think as the as new releases come out, you'll be able to kind of see mm -hmm. some of those ideas. And a lot of times it's like Luke thinking up something super cool and me being like, ah, why is that not on the whatever, the ATRT or what have you. Well, right. Uh, but then I had to remind you, like, <laughs> like as an entry level thing, like, I, I think it's important that, like, you know, your core set <laughs> units and your wave one units, like, are all pretty straightforward. Like, that's important. Yeah, and that is certainly into the game. That yeah. is certainly intentional. The the stormtroopers and rebel troopers are very simple mm -hmm. by design. And, and even the the speeder bikes and the ATRT, mm -hmm. like, very few keywords. Relatively on those. simple. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. By design, for sure. Um, yeah. So, is there anything? I'm trying to think. Um, there's a lot of bad ideas that aren't in the game. <laughs> yeah. What's a really terrible idea that was in the game then? Uh, I'll tell you one. Um, for a while, for uh, too long, the units were individually numbered. Um, like so when you would draw, tokens. yeah. So when you would draw from your order pool, it'd be like, oh, oh. gotta activate unit number thirteen. Mm. Oh wow! And it was, yeah, it was not good. <laughs> uh, and you know, the part of the reason for doing that was to try to make the command phase more important. I think at that time you would give out more orders during the command phase as well. So there were some other things going on. 
but it was just way too fiddly and not fun. And when we switched it back, because it started out as ranks and it went to the individual thing, and then went, then I was like, no, this is terrible. We're going back to to the rank system. Um, so that's a really bad idea that, that didn't happen, and I'm happy about. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I, I think that rank structure. I, I think you struck a good balance because then, it, like with bolt action, you just draw a generic dice and you can assign it to any unit. And then you know, if you were just too individualized, I, I think what you guys found with that middle ground works really well. I'm happy with it. It's yeah. important, but it's not like, you know, impossible to play the game without having orders in the right place. Like mm -hmm. you can have a round where you don't even get to play a good card. You're stuck with standing orders or something, and it's not a disaster. You can no. certainly still win that game. It makes it a little more challenging. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm really happy with the final the final rank system, the final order system. I think it's I think we we kind of tuned it to the to a really good spot, in my opinion. Well, guys, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to tell us? You know, any sneak previews that haven't been re released yet you want to <laughs> treat us with some information for? Like more barricades? <laughs> oh, man. Going fishing? <laughs> like double-level barricades? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, too powerful. I, I, yeah, we'd love to spoil stuff, but unfortunately. Right. I'll, I'll say this. I'll be a little cheeky. Uh, you mentioned melee combat becoming more of a thing. Rookie's confirmed. Um, <laughs> it, exciting. Rebel release. That's all I'm going to say. Oh boy. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. We'll preview there. Yeah. We'll speculate about Ooh. that. We got some boys who are going to come in and fight those royal guards. That's right. That's yeah. right. Give them a run for their money. Tauntaun cavalry confirmed. Taunt -taunt cavalry. Gonna kick you to death. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, Luke and Alex, we really seriously want to thank you guys both for, for joining so us much. today. This was an honor. Oh yeah. And we, yeah, our pleasure. Yeah, Happy to be on. Uh, honestly, I want to thank you guys too. Like we appreciate what like you and other people who are super enthusiastic about this game are doing. The podcasts and the blogs and like a vibrant community is I mean these games live and die yeah. on having a strong community and so we thank you for, you know, making Legion what it is, keeping yeah. keeping it rolling, keeping that momentum going. And anytime you guys want to join us again, we're uh, we're oh, more than yeah. happy to have yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll, we'll right. stay in touch Sounds for good. sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks. You're listening to the Legion Outriders podcast, a member of the Radio Free Tattooing Network, recorded on location at Power 9 Games. Whether you're looking for the latest releases from Legion, X-Wing, 40K, Magic, or any of our other extensive inventory of board and card games, head to Power9Games.com and use coupon code OUTRIDER10 to get 10% off your order. Plus, shipping is free on orders over $100. Now, back to the Outriders. Well, a big thank you to Alex Davey and Luke Eddy for joining us today. Uh, it was a great, great, uh, informative That was very, that and, was dense. My mind like, blown, yeah. yes. I've, I've been inside the mind of a game developer, and I feel very small now. Right, so, <laughs> you know, great talking with them, and hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, listening to them as much as we did. Um, God, I hope they'll come back in the future. Yeah, they oh, probably yeah. won't though. You, you think we scared them <laughs> off? Yeah, yeah. I, it was the barricades question. Right. Yeah, yeah. and why was it barricades? Line. Oh, if you're going to make me choose, you're going to tell me what I have <laughs> yeah, to like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next week we're going to take a look at the. We're finally going to get to the uh, supplies pack and look at uh, the three cards that came with it. Supplies. Uh, right. <laughs> no supplies this week. Yeah. So we'll get into we'll those, get to it eventually. Um, yeah. Because we we did get a chance to to play around with them a little bit and uh, they're fun. And yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll deep dive into those next week, and, and who knows? we'll take a little look at the uh, that rule guide that uh, the guys talked about. Maybe we'll get another announcement between them. Yeah, and there's always that possibility. Maybe, maybe. could be too. Yeah. 
It's a but, wild uh, world we live in. Yeah, you guys know as much as we do as far as that's concerned. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get any, like, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah, info, yeah. Don't worry. Oh, you didn't? Oh, what did you hear? Never mind. Well, I've been emailing them for like three months trying to set that interview <laughs> up. So. Good job, Dude, Josh. Well done. I, I know, I know, confirmed that the Imperial, that the Space Marines are confirmed for this game. What? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll uh, catch you next week. All right, folks. That's our show for this week. Just want to remind you that the Legion Outrider podcast is brought to you by the Radio Free Tatooine Network, a podcast network that's better than some and worse than others. To see the full lineup of shows, head to RadioFreeTatooine.com. See you next week, Outriders. You've been listening to the Legion Outriders podcast, a member of the Radio Free Tatooine Network. For more from the Outriders, make sure you like us on Twitter at Legion Outriders, subscribe to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Legion Outriders, and make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home.